What's up, everybody? Welcome to the View from Jamestown podcast edition. This is episode 68. This is the February 2022 edition, and we are sitting down this morning with TCC President Rob Roach, VP of Sales and Marketing AJ Petrarca, and Latin American Operations Manager Javier Fernandez. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Got the gang back together? Yeah, gang, gang. <laughs> We're here. What's, uh, what's going on? How you guys doing? Excellent. Excellent. Can't complain. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'll say fantastic. I think that's a good way to describe how, way. how I'm feeling. That's a good way to, that's a good way to feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't complain. I can feel, can feel better. We're, we're maskless. We Did are you maskless. guys go maskless on the last podcast? Or I we, think we did. We did, did you follow through with that? So this is the second maskless. Yeah, I, I think we did. I think we did so. maskless, yes. I think it just, like, I can hear you guys better in my head. Like, I think it just sounds better not having the mask. I can breathe better. Breathe better. Yeah. <laughs> Minorly important. But yeah, nice to be maskless on an episode. Um, seems like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, starting off the list with the current situation with uh, Russia and Ukraine, something we're following very closely. I'm assuming even if this comes out in the next 24 hours, that there'll be a lot more changed and updated. But as of today, I guess Russia has not yet invi- uh, invited invaded Ukraine. Right, um, right. But something we're keeping a close eye on, which has obviously some major global implications as well as you know specifically the chemical industry that's going to continue to impact energy availability, energy pricing. Uh, a lot of concerns from some of our European supply partners. No doubt, no doubt, big concerns. Um, something that we're. I guess just kind of waiting and seeing for now. We've heard mixed reports on what's going to happen and something that we're, I guess, hopeful doesn't happen, obviously, but something that's going to, could, could potentially make a, a major impact. Dramatic impact, yeah. 30% of crude in the Germany, natural gas pipeline. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're teetering on the uh, edge of disaster here. Something we were talking about for a little bit, too. Like, I know European energy prices have been high, so something that would only drive energy prices even higher. So, would be an interesting situation for sure yeah the last thing we need is another another you know kink in the in the supply chain so hopefully um you know hopefully everything stays copacetic but it's not looking like that's going to be the case yeah it's been interesting with the mixed reports they're they're pulling back they're not pulling back it seems like they're all still on the border so hopefully it doesn't escalate any further but i guess something to keep an eye on here over the next couple of days and weeks yeah i think uh you know, we're already in supply chain constraints because of the reshuffling of the global economy. And uh, now we're seeing how that global economy will have impacts from close neighbors, you know. And uh, so, yeah, as AJ said, this is not something we necessarily need right now. But I think uh, with the amount of uh, troop activity and the buildup on the border, I think it's uh, inevitable. So maybe time to make some plans. And I think, you know, Javi, for example, has already gone on a shopping spree. You know, yes, and, I went on a shopping spree last week. Yeah. I, yeah, I Gucci, got, Versace. Or, you know, Gucci, Versace, Louis Vuitton, the whole night. 25 kilo bags of Gucci, Versace, <laughs> yeah, bought, socks bought, of Versace. I bought several containers of different stuff, so I got green light. So we were in the meeting. I ask, I ask. You I, got the blessing. I got the blessing. Your, so. your, your wish list, right? Your, I, your wish list. I have, I have uh, several products on my wish list. Uh, and I half half of them I, I I got, so I'm very happy about it. Like a kid on Christmas morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Disneyland. This is this is amazing. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. We'll we'll, we'll have the featured the featured products. Don't okay. Worry. Okay. Um, I think one interesting thing or thing to note with the Russia situation is that it's impacting natural gas and crude oil so far up the supply chain. From what most people are paying attention to, that 
you know, you got to evaluate what's happening with natural gas and crude oil, which then will filter down to benzene and propylene and then go down to, you know, people are five, six, seven, eight steps removed from oil and natural gas. So it's really up to a lot of people to try to navigate what that's going to do on their pricing and supply chain. It'll be interesting over the next couple of days and weeks and months if this does end up happening, you know, what, what's going to happen specifically on how it's going to impact people's people's pricing. Yeah, I mean, we're already at probably the peak of chemical pricing that I've seen in my career. Um, and... Uh, and probably in most folks' career, uh, and now to have the energy values increase to your point, and that'll have a certainly an uptick in pricing. And if all of a sudden there's a drop in available gas and oil from Russia for our European producing partners, that's going to be more constriction uh, in a uh, post-COVID um, uh, coming forthcoming post-COVID economy. Yeah. I mean, we already saw the demand the outrageous demand of last summer when people thought that things were, you know, getting better. Imagine right now we're sitting here maskless. We're, we're maskless at our campus. We're, we're, we're not doing temperature checks. We're not working from home. So things are getting normalized and, uh, and to have that, what could be forthcoming could be, uh, um, obviously, you know, could change between the now and when we, even put this out, it could it, it major impacts, and I think that's why Javi says, "I'm going on a you know I'm going on a shopping spree." All right, let's do it because I think it's better than procrastinating and yeah. buying right now. I mean, this <clears throat> this impact could be more significant than the whole we've been doing with COVID for the last two years and the intricate impacts from that. But like this one thing, if this happens, you know, the severe lack of gas and, and energy in in Europe could be more disastrous than you know covid was depending on what happens. Yeah, and people want to focus i mean we are in um you know america here but people want to focus on inflation in america it's not just america this right. is global inflation yeah. you know and if you think about it I, I always remember in you know especially in the first 20 years of my career my father would always talk about how chemistry sold in the 70s is the same price as it was in say the early 2000s even mid 2000 2010ish and that never really rang a bell with me until now where we're starting to see the the resources depleting and that alone is raising these values of these resources natural gas oil etc we're seeing a depletion in them overall we've consumed you know, humans are rats just consuming constantly, and we're seeing that depletion, and that's creating some inflation. And also, back to my reshuffling of the global, you know, we're no longer friendly with China, like, you know, Trump didn't like China, Biden's continuing it, now they're aligning with Russia, you know, all these things where we're dependent on these supply chains are, are no longer there, yeah. not only because of the de depletion of resources, but because we can't get along. Um, so it's hard to manage a global economy and, and people need to understand that. And, and back to what we're talking about here today is make protocols, make good contracts, supply chain, you know, look at it and, you know, you know, to fan our flames, align with folks like us that'll keep your supply chain secure. We, have, we'll do that. Have suppliers that go on shopping sprees like Javi to head, you know, head to their best. <laughs> of course, they're actually fine. Never single source. Have multiple sources. That's, that's the key, you know. The, the last thing you want to do is single source. And, and we kind of joke about it a little bit, but it's a it's a serious thing having a new source of something and having material in stock that we hadn't had before, and a new supplier in the in the states having this material. So it's it's a great you know kind of hedge on on supply here and something that's, for sure that's uh you know good for just supply and security supply and just general. healthy. Yeah. Mm. So a lot going on, on the global front. 
one thing uh, AJ mentioned in the beginning was kind of the kinks in the supply chain. So speaking of kinks in the supply chain, we saw the um, protests this week with the U.S. and Canada um, truck drivers and, and that bridge going between the U.S. and Canada. Um, I didn't realize how big of a land crossing that was. I guess it was the biggest land crossing, something like 8,000 trucks per day, which is 25% of all land transit between the U.S. and Canada, <coughs> which was a crazy fact. Um, obviously, I know, AJ, you manage a, one of our major products that comes out of Canada, so something we're keeping a close eye on. But even beyond that, it had major implications for automotive production and everything like that coming in the Midwest. So one more logistical thing to keep an eye on. I guess the, the uh, protest is over now, and they've cleared the bridge, but it came on real fast, had a major impact. It's amazing how kind of delicate the supply chain can be in, in some cases and how quickly something can come out of nothing and, and play a role. Yeah, I was talking to somebody uh, earlier I guess late last week, and they were actually happy. There was a couple Toyota plants in Canada that had shut down because of the what was going on at the border, and gave them a chance to catch up on their production. You know, interesting, interesting point. Yeah. yeah, the downstream demand was off, so they could actually play play catch up, which they hadn't been able to do basically since, uh, you know, since COVID started. So, so you so, got to mix in a good protest every now and then, and <laughs> let you catch things up. I don't think any I don't think any freight provider will will put that recommendation in place. <laughs> no, but. I don't think so. Yeah, but if there is one positive thing out of it that, you know, that may be a positive that some folks were able to catch up on, you know, inventory, which yeah. is uh has been a problem for a while. But it's we talk a lot about the shortage of drivers and how impactful that is and obviously I think maybe the drivers are starting to realize they've got some some say in it and doing things like these protests and fighting for their rights and mandates and things like that. It's it's uh, another interesting kink in the supply chain and goes beyond just driver availability. It's the fact that they, you know, can almost, I guess, sort of unionize, if you want to call it, and, and play a big role in, in availability for trucking. Yeah, it didn't affect our shipments from Canada to the U.S. too much because the drivers that are crossing the border were already vaccinated and on with the program anyway. You know, I think a lot of those people that were protesting were just, you know, within Canada driver type people. So, you know, we were luckily, knock on wood, pretty much okay throughout the throughout the whole thing with our yeah. a lot of the business that we do from Canada to the U.S. And I guess there are still some protests going on in Canada. I don't know how much you've looked at that or talked to your contacts in Canada, but I guess there are some other ones going on in different cities and areas in Canada. So something to keep an eye on if anyone's moving freight in and around Canada, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the restrictions in Canada have been much more severe than ours. I mean, they've kind of followed more of the European protocols and and uh, it, 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 it mandates were uh, in our courts, they were rejected, yeah. which has been great because uh, there's a shortage of nurses and doctors, there's a shortage of truck drivers, and, and you can't continue to throw different rules at these depleting uh, resources of people. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was kind of bizarre to me, you know, because I think, you know, we, we talked kind of joked about it earlier, but like during the pandemic, it's like the Canadians were happy to be isolated up there. And, and, and we were kind of like, Rah, we want to get out of this, you know, we, you know, and, you know, and everybody said, well, the vaccines are the way to get us out of it. No, the way to get out of this was, you know, basically in South Africa, the, the, the virus got weaker and wanted to spread more than kill more. And it wasn't the vaccines that got us out of it. It wasn't the mass that's got got us out of it. It was a natural progression of a virus. And hopefully he's gotten us us out of this at this point. But the government has been very slow in, they're creating mandates, but slow in eliminating mandates. So, and that's just the way government is. They're the biggest, slowest moving thing. So if we're depending on them for 
how to navigate this pandemic. It's going to be slow. So it's, it's important to allow these people to protest. I, I, right. I, I think it's very important to allow these people to protest. And, and I think they got some results. If I'm not, if, if I'm not mistaken, they got some results out of this. If, if nothing else had their message heard, which is yeah. in itself valuable. Yeah, I mean, you know, the economy's got to keep moving. The, the, you know, we're still we're we're still now just starting to understand the impact of the isolation, the the effects on businesses, the effects that it's not just you know, God help all the people that died of COVID, but you know, the the impacts are going to be long lasting. Yeah. You know, so maybe we've learned something from this going forward. Yeah, and the Canada and U.S. contract was interesting. Like we were traveling last fall, and you were talking to some of your Canadian customers and suppliers, and they were still on lockdown and couldn't travel. And we're like, "What do you mean you can't? Like, you know, we're traveling we're about to trade shows, and you know, they can't come to the U.S. for, you know, either shows or meetings." So it was it was surprising to see how long it was still a contrast. I think there still is a, a bit of a contrast with their policies versus here. It was funny because even people like we'd have meetings with people in the U.S you know, with people from Canada, and then you talk to other people that were in Canada, I don't even think that they knew that they could come to the U.S. or yeah. didn't try to navigate the, the, the pathways to be able to, to come here. So that, like Rob said, they're probably just happy to be locked down type of thing. Like they're yeah. you know, not traveling, we don't need to travel kind of thing. But um, yeah. yeah, it was kind of funny to see the difference from U.S. to Canada. Yeah. They still made it to Florida somehow. Yeah. <laughs> they still got to Florida. The, the Canadians did. I don't know. They all ended up there. But I mean, uh, not to believe the point of the, the, the COVID, but now you're seeing countries that were on such severe lockdown have a massive spread of, you know, uh, people getting very sick because they never did get sick in the first, second, third wave. And so this, you know, so we're still going to see impacts from this for, for quite some time. I mean, you look at like, South Korea, of all places, you know, well, they were COVID-free a lot of this whole pandemic, but now it's just everywhere, yeah. you know. So we're still going to see impacts from this for, for quite some time, and hopefully we're on the slide out of this. But uh, Yeah, that's a thing so. I'd like to think, think so. so too. Um, thinking about China a little bit, we obviously, if anyone's been watching TV, has seen some of the Olympics going on. So I think we're somewhere between the uh, middle and the end of the uh, Olympics in China. Uh, obviously, China's spring holidays behind us now, being uh, mid-February here. So seems like China's eased up a little bit. Um, you know, back in I guess late January when all this was upcoming, you know, we were already being told that shipments wouldn't ship till late Feb or early March. But obviously, we're now mid-Feb, so I think we're starting to see a little bit better availability. If I'm uh, not mistaken, on at least getting material out of China for those that are still using China as a as a supply source. Yeah, it seems like availability is improving somewhat. I'm not seeing much relief in pricing yet on most products. Like prices are staying high. I think ocean freight's still staying pretty high and stable. Where pretty it's at. high. Yeah, I think it's going to take some time to catch up before we start seeing any kind of decreases, really. We're not seeing much yeah. much relief in prices yet, but it seems like availability is improving a little bit. And I think in a world where availability still kind of trumps pricing and, and you know, ocean high ocean freight and things like that, obviously the availability is a good thing. Um, obviously, I think everyone would like the ocean freight to come down a bit, but the fact that we're at least able to get material from China and, and shipped is, is good news, I think. Yeah. I saw an article, I think just yesterday, that, that there's so many uh, contracts for ocean freight that have put into, been put into place recently for like long-term, you know, multi-year contracts that it's, it's supposed to keep prices pretty high. Um, Makes you know, sense. Just because people locked in at these high prices, there's no, yeah. you know, no need to decrease them. So um, that one article was predicting them to stay high for at least a few years. The logic makes sense. I could, yeah. I could see it. Um, Javi, how about coming from other parts of the world? How's the shipping schedules been? Still seeing delays or stuff been okay? A lot of delays, a lot of rollovers yeah. are happening, uh, but we are managing through. Yeah. Doing the best we can and delivering the news as soon as possible. That's, that's, that's the best thing we can do. Because it doesn't age well. 
they've not aged well. It's like, not wine. Like, it's not wine. <laughs> Bad news are not wine. How about uh, how about the rest of Mexico, Latin America? What's the general consensus? It's, it has been very busy. A lot of import export has been very busy. Mm-hmm. So knock on wood. Uh, so it has been very very busy. We have been importing different chemicals from Chile, Colombia, Brazil, Argentina, Bolivia, and been selling to different different countries. Um, we have some challenges on freight, a lot of rollovers, so we had to air freight some, and that's that's something that you like you don't like to see. No. But uh, but otherwise they would they would have shut down. Right. But so that's, that's more expensive than that's more air expensive freight. than the air freight. So so we had to air freight a couple couple of totes of of this chemical. So yep. so but they kept running. So that's that's yeah. at least good. That's all that matters. Yeah, and then the, all of the other plants are running fine. Uh, people are getting back to work. A lot of them are hybrid back to the offices. The administrative people, yep. the the office people. I mean the plants. People at the plants are there. Uh, but they're in a hybrid three three two or two three depends on on the company. Yeah. So people are more likely to see you now. Uh, so I, I'm announcing my first trip to Mexico. Yeah. Yes. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first in the podcast. Send them a WhatsApp to set up a meeting. Georgia, where's send the me, WhatsApp? Send me a WhatsApp. WhatsApp me. <laughs> WhatsApp me. Uh, I'll be going to Mexico uh, in in May. I'm very excited to see my friends. My Mexican friends, I haven't seen them in a while, so yeah, so they're back at the offices because they were working from home for the longest time. So now that they're 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 back at the office, so well, you, so you'll meet them at offices or plants versus having yeah. to do like yeah. lunches and stuff. Yes, cool. Two months heads up to boost tequila, uh, you know, production. production. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. Mas cervezas. Mas cervezas, por favor. No, it's exciting, though. It's exciting to feel like stuff's getting back to normal. We're talking about trade shows that we'll talk about in a second that are coming up. So it, mm-hmm. it, it feels sort of normal, which is which is a, a nice feeling, a strange feeling. Yeah, for sure. And there are a lot of plans turnarounds for the most products that we do, uh, that we buy, are coming up in the next few months. So we are planning accordingly. We're buying ahead, or uh, we're, we're we're planning. We're 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 doing a good job, I think, uh, about uh, planning ahead. Yeah, good. Sounds like a one of the more positive Latin American reports we've had recently. Yeah. So that's that's all good. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And uh, we have uh, we have our agents very busy. We have agents in in, in Colombia, in, in in Venezuela, in Mexico, in Brazil, and they keep my WhatsApp and my phone active. So yeah. so it's good. Get that first class seat all warmed up for you. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Hopefully my upgrade goes through. Um, but no, it was a great great update. Obviously, talked a bit about the freight part there. Um, Glad to have uh, the logistics company coming back up here for a freight update. So we'll uh, give it over to Jamie from the logistics company to have Jamie on for the first time this uh, this episode here. So we'll give it to Jamie from TLC for a freight update. Hey, Jamie, what's going on? Good morning, Ben. How's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I know you're you're here. Somewhat against your will, but appreciate uh, a, little. a little more exposure from TLC. It's nice having a, a new face from uh, from the logistics company on here. Yeah. Your very first ever, pod- first ever podcast. You've done a podcast before? First ever podcast. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Thank you for, for taking some time and joining this morning. I think I know we've had uh, Joe Hassan-Fratz on a couple of past episodes, but obviously your first time coming over from TLC. So uh, maybe just to kick it off, I want to give a little background on yourself and, and your role at TLC and maybe a little intro on TLC as well if someone hasn't seen some of the past episodes. Yeah, so uh, 
I'm Jamie. I work at the logistics company. Uh, we're third-party logistics freight brokerage. We handle, you know, truckload shipments, LTL shipments, international ocean freight, rail cars, transloading, packaging. We kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything there is. Handle some of the worst commodities there are <laughs> in terms of hazardous shipments and things, yep. and you know, some food grade type stuff. Sure. We really do a little bit of everything. Sure. Uh, I've been with the company for four years now and primarily manage the rail shipments, the rail fleet, you know, our packaging operations, our transload operations, and a lot of the project type things we work on. So all the most tedious and kind of difficult things to work on, basically. I view it as the most fun. But yeah, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's yeah. the spin you need on it. That's the spin you need. Um, but yeah, again, thank you for, for taking some time. Always nice having, you know, a, a dedicated freight part on the podcast. I think people appreciate some of the more in-depth insights versus what, you know, we're, we're able to provide on the TCC side. Um, jump right into it. I think coming into the four kind of core categories that TLC focuses on, obviously one of them is, um, international freight, as you mentioned. So importing, exporting kind of status of moving freight around the ports, um, obviously has been a big contentious thing the last six months 12 months there's obviously been a lot going on with the ports um but maybe since new year's or so over the past couple weeks um how's the situation been with either importing or exporting moving around the ports yeah absolutely so it's been obviously as i think a lot of people are aware of even outside the industry now the general supply chain issues across the world have been difficult for the last few months and right now i would say that the Ports in general, we're still seeing a lot of congestion. Uh, we're still seeing a lot of issues with getting containers out of ports on time, and a lot of issues with containers going back into, you know, to be returned overseas. There's a basically a stockpiling of empty containers in storage depots near the ports. Sure, that's causing, you know, just the trickle down effect onto loaded shipments getting delivered because. You have no place to send the empty. Yeah. Any ports worse than others, or is it kind of a consistent congestion really across the board in the U.S.? I would say right now it's really just a consistent congestion across the board. You do, you know, it ebbs and flows. Some days different ports might be better than others, but overall it's the entire country just general, at general this point. congestion. Yeah. And I know I think we've talked in the past in some of our other meetings on – the best recommendation you can kind of give is just to make sure your freight's as close to the end destination as it can be, you know, using different ports in the U.S. based on where it actually needs to end up. That's still kind of the overwhelming advice that, that you give to somebody. Yeah, definitely. Long-haul shipments are more and more becoming a thing of the past at this point. Yep. And especially when it comes to importing and exporting, you really want to get to, even if it's, even if it's not an ocean port, you know, if you can get it to a rail yard, if you can get it to the closest they call them inland ports. Mm-hmm. It's basically a big rail terminal. They bring all the containers in directly from the ships and then, you know, get them into middle of America, wherever it needs to go. Sure. And that's the best way to do it. And you mentioned the the long haul piece. That's kind of a nice segment right into the truck freight piece of this. Um, obviously, liquid bulk trucks or full, full dry vans. Um, how has that been? And you mentioned the long haul thing. I, I think we've talked recently like that. What is considered a long haul seems to have kind of decrease a little bit. Maybe, I don't know. You, you obviously know better than I do, but you know what, what used to be considered a long haul was X miles. Now it's less so, and it's, it's difficult finding trucks to go anywhere anywhere above that threshold. Yeah. I mean, I would say there isn't a consistent threshold. It really depends on what you're shipping. So liquid bulk might be different from drayage. Drayage might be different from regular dry vans. Um, LTL, obviously, is easy just the way it's set up. Yep. 
it has its own struggles, but nothing really distance-wise. Yep. Um, so, yeah, drayage, you're really looking at anything over maybe 300 miles is deemed a long haul at this point. Um, liquid bulk, anything over like a day and a half transit. Okay. Um, which is somewhere around 700 miles. Okay. And, you know, dry vans, you really run into issues when you're, you know, talking about three days. So okay. just estimate like 500 miles a day. So like on the liquid bulk say, say you had to move a move a load from A to B, that's going to take three days. How do you do that? You have to look at intermodal. Is it just a smaller pool of drivers that are willing to go that far? What's the recommendation for some of those historical kind of long haul ranges? So overall, I would say it's just a smaller pool. Okay. Um, what some companies are looking at doing, and it has varying degrees of effectiveness right now, is what they call daisy chaining trailers along, which is they'll just use a pool of short haul drivers and they will have Basically, a different driver will pick it up than will deliver it. They'll move it between their own terminals and their own yards, and they will you know, pick up, drop it at Terminal X, have someone move it to Terminal Y, sure. and then deliver from there. Which obviously adds some intricacies with potential delays and confusion and whatnot. Yeah, there's definitely more potential for delays, especially as people are you know, kind of piloting it. Yep. But it does have a more, if they can get it to work, it's a more consistent effect. Sure, sure. Um, maybe I guess a good example of getting a little bit more creative with supply chains and trying to trying to make it work with with what we're given here. Yeah, it, it's really the name of the game right now is really all about flexibility yeah. in the supply chain. Flexibility on carriers' parts, flexibility with shippers, flexibility with receivers. It's it's really an all encompassing thing right yeah. now. And you mentioned the LTL piece a bit too. Obviously, that's a very unique supply chain in itself with varying LTL deliveries. Um, I know obviously TLC manages a significant number of LTL lanes and warehousing and things like that. So how's how's the general kind of LTL landscape been recently? Well, LTL is, uh, as we always say, it's always fun. Uh, you get, because of... That's a nice positive spin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of, you know, how how it works with so many people touching it, it's, you very often have delays in those. You very often have paperwork issues. LTL going like cross border, for instance, is always delayed by two days, maybe yep. crossing the border. Yep. And it's just you have to remember if you're a shipper, if you're a receiver, the odds of your paperwork, if it's not in a pouch attached to a pallet, for instance, the odds of your paperwork getting through with that bill of lading, anything else to the end receiver is so limited yep. at this point. Yep. So it's if you're sending customs documents, if you're sending us certificate of analysis or anything like that it needs to be in the pouch emailed to whoever it needs to get to now would you That's go the best way would you go so far as to recommend customers look at more full truckload type of deliveries if say you use five pallets a month taking 20 at a time versus doing five a month or was it not that far it just kind of has its own intricacies what, what would you recommend on the ltl side i would say they both have their own intricacies uh definitely if you get to you know, volumes that it makes sense for your company. If you can, if it's something where you can manage it, if it's say four pallets every four months or something, and you know, it's, you know, pretty rateable at that, then yeah, that might be a good option for you. But the biggest issue is when you get into what's called the volume LTLs, those are the hardest when you're only trying to move, it's usually over 10,000 pounds. So if you're trying to move, say six pallets at a time, that is a difficult number to move. Okay. Just because you end up with so, so much more space taken up on an LTL trailer. And then you're trying, they're trying to match that up on the back end with other things that fit with that. Sure. 
and it's just you're better off either going two or three four pallets maybe or with the truckload as you mentioned yeah so, so that's that's a good kind of basis that we haven't really talked about in the past but a, a true ltl shipment i guess is call it less than five pallets once you kind of get above that you might start looking at full container loads or dedicated trucks and things like that yeah you there's definitely a sweet spot of like five pallets or less that's sure. ltl sure. and then once you get over that then you start getting into the volume truckload part which is difficult yeah um and then Really, once you get to 20,000 pounds anyways, you get to neat requiring a full truckload. So I would say as, if you can steer yourself out of that volume section as much as possible, that's probably where you'll have the best success. Sure. Interesting. Learn something new every day. Um, and your bread and butter, kind of wrap this up, is obviously the rail piece of it. Um, I know early on in COVID, we were when trucking was really, really delayed and COVID was an issue with truckers, not that it's not today, but when it really became an issue kind of right when COVID started, a lot of recommendations were pushing towards intermodal and rail as kind of an alternative source. And I think that very quickly got bagged up, backed up and kind of bogged down a bit. Um, but what's the kind of general status of, of rail deliveries, both um, you know intermodal deliveries as well as dedicated you know rail liquid tankers that I know we're doing a lot of? I would say that rail right now is about as congested as I've seen it. Yeah. So it, because of what you're talking about, that push to move everything by intermodal, and this is kind of what we see in supply chains in general, is when you have such a large push to move things to a different method of transportation, to a different source, then that then gets overwhelmed because you're shifting you know, all the extra volume onto that. Sure. So definitely intermodal shipments, we're seeing huge delays right now. Um especially going, you know, those like cross-continent type shipments going, say, like Vancouver to Montreal, things like that, or Los Angeles to New Jersey. Which is where people probably are looking at it because it, it exactly. might make financial that, sense. That is but. the, those are the usually the best lanes for it. But right now your shipment might roll by two weeks. You may have it loaded in a container and that rail booking may get pushed out by two weeks. Yeah. Um, as far as... Rail in general, when it comes to transloading, liquid bulk, dry bulk, uh, everything like that, and direct rail shipments, there are still definitely delays in you know the car shipments themselves because, again, rail's just being pushed as an alternative, and it's a good one. But, yeah, you, there are still plenty of delays with just getting the trains moved. Yep. Um, just due to the sheer volumes that are being moved right now. It is still especially for long-haul shipments, I would still definitely recommend it, yep. uh, especially for liquid bulk. If you can pool, you know, transloading, if you can pool enough orders together on the other end, if you can, you know, if your customer, if if they take as much volume as a rail car in a, you know, decent amount of time within maybe a month, sure. then I would look for it. Look at it, That's yeah. four trucks right? usually. Right. But, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely keep looking at it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great overview on everything kind of going on. Any final words of expertise or recommendations for anyone listening on the freight side, or, you know, regardless whether you're looking at LTL or up to rail cars? Is it? I know we've kind of been pushing flexibility. Is that the? Is that the? the yeah, key recommendation? I, I would say for me, it's definitely try and be as flexible as you can, um, and you know, plan out as much as you can. And planning out with the flexibility piece doesn't mean that, you know. Everything's going to necessarily go as planned, but plan out with some flexibility if possible. Yep. And I guess definitely just understand as a whole that everyone's dealing with the same thing. If you're talking to 
trucking companies. If you're talking to shipping companies, trucking companies, whoever you're talking to, odds are they're just as frustrated with everything going on and trying to work their way through it yep. as anyone else. Yep. Customers, rece receivers, shippers, truckers, it, it's frustrating for everyone right no, now. Not just so that's Yeah, it, it's, it's just something we always have to remind ourselves of. It's very important to remember that everyone's in it together at yeah. this point. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, appreciate you taking the time. I think it was a good overview, good episode. Um, hopefully we'll have you on a, another episode here soon. Yeah. And uh, we'll yeah. talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Jamie. Moving along, uh, price updates and trends. We're obviously mid-Feb here, so starting to think about what obviously what, what happened in February and looking ahead to March a little bit. Um, obviously closely monitoring the, as we talked about before, the crude oil, natural gas situation, both in Europe and in the U.S., how that's going to globally impact things. Um, obviously availability continues to impact pricing. Uh, we've seen crude oil jump up a good bit here. Benzene's jumped up from where it settled in the February uh, contract market. So seems like things are pointing pointing up for, for March. Um, you guys seeing a lot of the same? Yeah, just checking oil prices, 93, 94-ish, you know. Um, you haven't seen this since, what, 2010-ish, somewhere in there. So, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, it, the, the the chain will be impacted, no doubt about it. Yeah. And I think, obviously, crude oil, natural gas, keeping things high, availability improving a little bit, but we'll continue to keep things a bit tighter as well, it seems like. Yeah, I think more than availability, it seems like logistics are still keeping things tight. Like a lot of folks are still having problems with, with bulk tank trucks and, um, yeah, just things moving slow. And I think that that's still driving a lot of availability issues or just logistic related. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll keep a close eye on what's going to happen here for March. Um, but I think all, all points, all signs point a bit up at this point, it kind of seems like. Yeah, it looks like propylene values will increase. Benzene remains high. You know, ethylene will probably increase some. Um, but yeah, you know, I would say that uh, we're hearing from March, uh, you know, already some folks uh, mid-month on some OXOs have, have been announced. Um, yep. We're seeing March uh, first increase increases being uh, chalked up now uh, mid-month uh, for March 1st. So yeah, you know, I think that there's, you know, back to our point in the first part of the podcast, you're just going to see energy values uh, con continue to trickle down and, and increase uh, prices. Good time to stock up if you've got the got the space for it and get the trucks in there. True. Place um, your orders now. Place your orders now. Yep. So now the part that everyone's been looking forward to, Javi, you want to talk about your, your shopping spree? Okay. So, yes. <laughs> I've been buying a lot of chemicals from different parts of the world. Some existing products, some new products. Some existing products. Some, some history, yeah. So we have, we have done some of those products in, in our past. Uh, some of the products are uh, diomalic acid. Uh, it's a food additive. It's a... Uh, Fumaric acid, also another food additive. They're they're kind of tight, uh, but we'll have it on the way in, a, in six to eight weeks. Uh, they're on the way. We'll stock it in the northeast. Hit me up for some pricing. And also we're bringing some plasticizers, uh, DIDP, in drums. Uh, they'll be stocked also in the northeast and DINA. Uh, also a plasticizer will be stocked in the northeast. Um, so we'll be sending a constant contact probably with um, our, putting our marketing folks to work, Benny. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so the malic and the fumaric, that's a tartrant. So uh, you think of like Sour Patch Kids. You know, they add a little uh, fumaric or malic in there, and that gives you that 
that hit on your tongue that's like a ooh, you know, and oh, like salt and vinegar chips. That's the malic acid. That's the malic acid. That's the malic yeah. acid. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's got a very unique flavor profile. Um, if you use it in a food application, <clears throat> of course, fumaric you can make polyester resins out of it, and there's you know quite a few uh, different applications that fumarics use downhole things like that, and malic as well. You know, there's some industrial applications um, for it, but obviously the, the this is USP, FCC. Yeah, 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 FCC, USP, halal, kosher. Okay, so it's all food all, grade. All food grade, all the certifications yeah. that, you, that you need. Yeah. And of course, the DINA, uh, DIDP, wire and cable products, you know, very tight with uh, isononyl alcohol being uh, relatively tight, cost of adipic acid going up, good time to buy. DIDP, of course, there's only really one producer of isodecal alcohol here domestically. It's nice to have alternatives and uh, with freight. Absolutely. Uh, having things in packaged, uh, drums and totes. Sometimes you can move it when you just can't move liquid bulk. So I think it's a good plan. So, uh, you know, we spent hours talking about it before uh, he should <laughs> just <get laughs> crunching the numbers. No, but it's a, it's a lot of exciting stuff. It's some, some new products or things we haven't had in stock ourselves for a long time. Yeah. It's a lot of existing products, the DINA, DIDP, things we've obviously historically done, but mixing in new supply chains, new producers, uh, yep. new packaging types, You know, committing to have more packaged material in the U.S., so a lot of exciting things in there. We're committing to the market. We are. And it's, it, it's, it's in the vein of acids, alcohols, and esters, which is a lot of what we do, yep. uh, you know, from food uh, to industrial and across uh, all applications, uh, we want to grow that business. So, uh, you know, so he's doing a great job and AJ is and Ben is and the rest of the sales team in, in growing in these different directions, integrations. And the perfect time to talk about all those new products is some of our trade shows coming up here, which is very exciting. It's nice to see a, a normal calendar year starting from January shows. Uh, what's what's coming up? I'm going to quiz you off the top of your head. I'm going to have my notes here. And see I, have, I have a tough time with the name of this next one. It's the Specialty in Custom Chemicals America in Ble Fort Worth. Not so. bad. They need, so. like a, they need to like short, like, they need like a short, like AFPM. They're, they need like a little, <laughs> you know. Well, like, and they're, they're similar enough acronym. with the Charleston one, but they're also like different enough where you got to think about which one's which. Yeah, they yeah. need to come up with a clever acronym. That's, yeah. what, that's what they need. But uh, yeah, like, we'll, we'll like, be in, like, like the rest of the chemical industry, everything's got acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's one more? But yeah, we'll be there. Uh, I think Ben, myself, and a, and a few uh, few other colleagues. I know uh, Sean Harrington, Corey Mullins, Steve Friedewald, yep. um, Joe Hassenfratz from the Logistics Company. Logistics I think's going to be, be there, there as well. Yep. So looking forward to Fort Worth. It's a great city, and that's a great little show. So good crew. We're looking forward to that one. This this we just talking about this. This is the third one, right? That's a good question because we missed last year. Because we, we had the one year at the different hotel, then we stayed at the trade show hotel. So it was at least, I think, two. This will be our third one. I think it's the third one. The third yeah, one. Yeah, because we, we were there from the from the jump. So, yeah, this will be the, the third one. So looking yeah, forward they, to it. They run the Charleston one in July. That's been going on for a lot of years and then started the second one, I guess, three year, three shows ago now. So yeah. And we're off the bat. It was 90% you know, booked and attended and really, really good attendance for that one. So. Yeah, I was checking out the, the attendee list yesterday. It looks pretty heavily attended like even just yesterday there were a bunch of people registering so folks uh yeah. you know it looks like it's going to be a well attended well attended event looking forward to being there and then obviously we've got the afpm coming up back in its normal time slot in march so actively setting up meetings booking our golf outing booking our cocktail party um that's the the last week of march back to the normal schedule so 
looking forward to that. Hopefully, people have seen our emails and posts on LinkedIn and whatnot. Uh, yeah, but we, if you haven't seen it, you know we met with Nicole before this. Ben, she was saying we're getting booked up. Yep. So you know, make sure you reach out if uh, you're a producing partner, customer, or wannabe. Uh, we've got the golf event. Uh, we've got the cocktail party on Sunday at Ruth Chris. We've got meeting spaces open. Um, so yeah, now's the time because we're only a month away. Crazy, it's coming up fast. Yeah, coming up it's fast. Crazy. Uh, and then essentially back to back with the AFPM, we got the coding show. Uh, normally every two years, so obviously we missed the 2020 version, so we're on the 2022 show. Uh, we'll have a booth there as well. Good contingent going down to that show. Um, looking forward to getting back to a. The Chemicals America is a good one. It's kind of a more boutique sort of nice compact show. Obviously, coding shows, large scale, massive booths and whatnot. So it'll be good to get back to a show like that as well. Uh-huh. And not have to set up our 30 by 30 booth this year. Have a <laughs> bit of a more reasonable space, which will be. A nice change of pace. Yep. Um, and that's obviously all mixed in with just general travel. I know you're thinking about going to Asia and, and Europe you know, later on in the year. Obviously talking about going back to Mexico here soon. Yeah, so. I'll be at the UTEC. I'll be at the Middle East Recording Show in Dubai. I'll be going to the K Show in Dusseldorf. Yep. EPCA. Uh, EPCA is now on, I heard, uh, October 4th o- through October the 7th. October 4th through the 7th. In Berlin, right? In Berlin, we'll yep. be there. Yeah, I mean, if it's on, it's, yeah, we haven't seen anything official. Nothing official, but yeah, from our, from our contacts, contacts in, Europe. We, in Europe, we have heard that, that, that unofficial dates yet. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll be at UTEC, I'll be at the Latin American Coding Show in Mexico in July. So, a lot of co- paints and coatings, my, my expertise. <laughs> Yeah, a lot coming up. It's exciting to see all the travel. Yes. Uh, wrapping things up. That was a good episode. A lot going on. Lots to lots of focus on. Seems like some new stuff, which is, I mean, maybe not all good things, but new things to talk about and new things going on that are impacting the market either positively or negatively. So a lot of good stuff going on, a lot of talking points. Anything else to wrap things up? No, oh, I think we did a good job. I think we covered most of it. Javi, good? Good. Exciting yeah. news. I'm excited with my shopping spree. I have another, a few other products I'm working on. So next episode, stay I'll keep you, guys, keep you guys posted. Stay tuned. Stay, stay tuned. tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to see you uh, without me on the last episode. You guys held it down, did a great job. And now I'm uh, announcing my retirement. From nope, the no, no, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not off the so hook. So now I'm off the hook. Uh, I had COVID last time, so I couldn't be on. So maybe uh, I got COVID forever from here on. Out. No, 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 no. That's not working that way. All right, I tried. I tried. We need you. Oh, thanks. Appreciate <laughs> that. You get to the point, just give me me in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to resign from the podcast. Um, no, but great episode. A uh, lot going on here. Um, got a couple fun things coming up or, or that have come out recently. We have our regulatory episode that has uh, Karen and Karen and Caitlin on that episode. Um, so that's up on our YouTube channel. We had a bunch of clips, which is a nice new addition to our uh content here so we'll have a clips for the various topics that have been going on with the regulatory episode um also continuing to work with uh, our producing partner avonic on a phthalates and plasticizer specific episode so excited for that one hopefully coming out before afpm so lots uh lots in the works um obviously keep uh, an eye on our emails we'll talk about our new products that are coming out as soon as we have some updates on inventory and, and dates and whatnot um, but as always, appreciate appreciate you, appreciate you for li- I can't talk this morning. <laughs> appreciate you for listening uh, or following along on the video versions. If you're checking out the video versions here, but um, listen, please listen. Please, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I rather you listen. <laughs> uh, thank you to Kettle Bottom Creative as always for the, the production you. of the episodes. Thank you guys, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank, thank you, Ben. Thank, thank you, Ben.